Hello, EB Online Church family. Whether you are watching us from your couch, our campus, or someone else's kitchen, wherever you may be, again, thank you so much for making us part of your day. We're camping out at the end of Acts chapter 2, where Luke, who is the author of Acts, does something that he's going to do eight other times. He's going to give us a summary. He's like an impressionist painter. He's not looking at intimate details. Instead, he's only going to deal in the broad strokes, showing us what this new group of believers in Jesus looked like. Something really big had just happened in their lives, and Luke wants us to step back and not miss the forest for all the trees. He writes in verse 42 that these newly baptized believers in Jesus devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Luke is not painting a picture here of first century worship services. He is painting a picture of first century worshipers. Worshipers who in large and small groups on Sundays, Mondays, and all the days survived by devoting themselves to a shared spiritual experience and a shared community. Eugene Peterson in his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, says, our our membership in the church is corollary to our faith in Christ. We can no more be a Christian and have nothing to do with the church than be a person and not be in a family. It's part of the fabric of our redemption. God, by the very nature of redemption, draws us together and in turn, our redeemed community is supposed to draw others to Him. So let's pick up our study today in verse 43. It says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, how did God put his seal of approval on Jesus and reinforce the fact that people ought to listen to him? Well, as you read through the Gospels, you find that Jesus performed miracles. John wrote in his Gospel about these miracles, and like Luke, he referred to them as signs. From John's perspective, all the miracles that Jesus performed were sign markers that pointed to the truth about Jesus' Messiahship. As he wrapped up his Jesus telling, John wrote, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. And they're not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The signs were not the point. It was who the signs pointed to, that was the point. The apostles, empowered by God's Spirit at Pentecost, had the miraculous ability to perform actions that pointed the people to the truth of their message about Jesus. The wonders and signs were not meant to be some carnival sideshow. God was putting His stamp of approval on them, and everything that was happening was pointing back to the truth about Jesus. And everyone, Luke says, was filled with awe. There was a healthy fear that came upon the people. God was getting their attention, and there was something happening in their midst that they could not turn away from. You know, I wonder, is God still in the process of getting our attention? Are there still wonders and signs that are intended to point us, nudge us, in the direction of Jesus? Or, or let me ask it this way. Is it still possible for God to take your breath away? Are there ever times, moments, when something that you see or hear or feel reminds you that there is a God, and then you just stop and go, wow? Or do you experience those moments but fail to, to connect them to God? 
If I say, hey, look over there, well, you turn and look. But if I say that to my dog, well, he only looks at my finger. And you know, if we're not careful, we will only see the finger, only the signs of, of God's presence in our life. The sunrise that awakened us, the sunset that inspired us, the birth of a child, the healing of a grandmother, the call that came at just the right moment, the comfort we received at our lowest point, the kindness of a stranger, the forgiveness of a friend, the promotion that we received or the promotion that we were denied, how we met our spouse, and maybe even how we found our house. I believe that God is still trying to take our breath away. But we just sometimes miss what, what's right in front of us. A family was going on a bike ride together while on vacation and just happened to take a path that led them through, of all things, a nudist colony. Now, of course, today I believe they are called naturalist preserves. Uh, but they're riding along trying to find a way out of an embarrassing situation when they are met by another bike riding family. Now, the mother tells her kids not to stare at the approaching riders who she can tell are, are less than properly clothed. But as the families pass one another, the five-year-old says, mm, they're not wearing helmets. <laughs> do you see God at work in the events of your life? Or do you just see his finger? God is still trying to get your attention and point you to the truth about Jesus. Luke tells us that the people who witnessed the wonders and signs done by God through the apostles were together and had everything in common. Now remember, these are people who traveled from all across the known world to be in Jerusalem for the feast days. Many of them had probably been in Jerusalem for about two months enjoying Passover and Pentecost. Now, some are remaining and they've excited, decided to extend their stay. They are staying there in Jerusalem to nurture their faith since they have tasted that the Lord is good. So there is now a lot of needs that begin to develop. And what's the natural thing to do in the kingdom of God? Luke says, they sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now, what picture do you see here? What are these people doing? Luke is using a broad stroke to give us a picture of what matters most in the kingdom of God. But what do you see? Now, what strikes me is that here you have a group of people that had every reason in the world to split apart. They came from different parts of the world. They had different languages, different accents, different customs. Nothing would suggest that they should be described as having everything in common. But there is something that's consistent about these people. They choose to be together. They devote themselves to it every day. Not just when it's convenient, not just when things are going well, every day. You would find them together at the temple. You would find them together in someone's home every day. Even though they came from different towns and backgrounds, every day, well, they sought one another out. They were intentional. They were consistent. They stuck together. In public, in private, their lives revolved around one another because their faith revolved around Jesus. You know, it's amazing to me how often we want to spend our lives in the orbit of those who do not share our faith or our values. 
Uh, not for the purpose of sharing Christ, mind you. I'm, I'm all for cultivating relationships with the intent of bringing the light of Jesus to a darkened world. We need more of that. But what amazes me is that we choose as individuals and families to place ourselves in environments and around people who do not have our soul as a priority. And we do this, I think, because of FOMO, the fear of missing out. We are so afraid of being left out. We are afraid that our children are not going to be included, that they will not make the team or that we will not make the club. And because we fear missing out on what our culture says is new and exciting and, and good, we sacrifice our time with God's people. What importance do you place on being with others who share your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you prioritize time with other groups of believers? Do you sacrifice so that your family can be around other families who share your values? Do you come and go anonymously or, or do you love your brothers and sisters as Jesus demands? Where do you find life? In the church or on the campus or on the athletic field or at work? I mean, just look at what you do. Look at where you spend your time, who you spend your time with, what you avoid and what you choose. Where are your deepest relationships found? You see, I'm afraid that we get this thing reversed. I think we go to the campus or we go to the job or we go to some activity to find life and then we visit the church. So let me take you to a couple of passages in Hebrews that, that speak to the believer's need to be connected with other believers. You see, there was a fundamental problem going on in the life of Jews who had converted to Christianity, but had decided that Jesus wasn't enough. But what they were doing, they were going back to Judaism because they didn't think that they could find substance, they couldn't find God in Christianity. Jesus wasn't good enough for them. So they were going back to the temple, and they were going back to their sacrifices, thinking that maybe they could just do it better on their own. Hebrews 3, beginning in verse 12. It says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What's the writer of Hebrews trying to tell us? In the larger context, the writer is referencing the Israelites as they wandered in the desert for 40 years. He's talking about a pilgrim people in an alien world, in a world that is harsh and difficult and has every intention of breaking you down. It was tough to live in the desert, and it is tough to live as a Christian in this world. And if we're going to make and finish this journey, we cannot do it alone. You cannot do it. It is not a possibility or an option. We need other believers in our lives to encourage us every day not to turn away from the living God. So the Hebrews writer says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. You see, we have in the past read this passage and focused on some formal church gathering. But can you see it today in the context of, of just doing life together? Can you hear Scripture begging you not to isolate yourself, not to withdraw, not to merely attend church? I said last week that you cannot find in your Bible one instance where God tells anyone just to go to church. But you find over and over the call of God urging those who believe in Jesus to share life together. We cannot make it on our own. So let's go back to Acts chapter 2. We can't escape what Luke is trying to show us. 
He's saying, let me show you what happens when the church is really healthy, when believers have their act together. These early believers intentionally chose to be involved in each other's lives. And they were willing to make personal sacrifices in order to assure that no one missed out on the blessings of God's community. Is it any wonder that they enjoyed the favor of all the people? I mean, that's talking about the outsiders who are peering in. Here is a diverse group of people who are spending time with one another, caring for one another, looking out for one another, and encouraging one another to keep God as the focus and priority of their lives. In a world of extreme poverty, sexism, and racism, here is a group of people rising above the low standards set by their culture, and as a result, their new community did not go unnoticed by others in Jerusalem. And the Lord added to their number daily. Hey, when outsiders see us, what do you think they see? What do they sense about our collective ministry? What do they sense by our actions? How do they see us spending our time? What sacrifices do they witness us making? What do they see us being passionate about? Friends, the East Brainerd Church of Christ should stand in stark contrast to anything this culture has to offer. There should be more love, more forgiveness, more acceptance, more generosity, more hospitality, and more inclusion displayed in our church community than anywhere else. Church was never meant to be a weekly activity. The church, the men and women who were followers of Jesus, were meant from day one to be an everyday, connective, inclusive community. A community of generous, loving, forgiving, and accepting people. Their focus was not on a weekly gathering, but on a daily witness. Their lives, their relationships gave witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. You know, somewhere at, at some time, we and many within the Christian community began to believe that if we could just do our gatherings right, if we could just sing right and pray right and preach right, then we could just show up and be right. And as a result, our witness became muted and our neighbors and communities have paid the price. Come on to our gatherings, we announced. It's what you need, we said. But I think these last few months have been a reminder that church was never meant to be about the gatherings in and of themselves. Church has always been about the community that gathers, whether in large or small groups whether in sanctuaries and homes, online or at parks, around dinner tables or picnic tables. So even as we look forward to returning to our EB campus, we cannot fall into the trap of thinking that our gatherings equal church. We cannot confuse attendance for action, and we cannot substitute weekly religious liturgy for daily community life. Church is about the everyday generosity of the community the everyday hospitality of the community, the everyday inclusion within the community. And that generosity, man, it's attractive. That hospitality is inviting and that inclusion is exciting. Our society is crying out for love and forgiveness, for fairness and value for all. Our neighbors need relationships and acceptance. Every day people around us are crying out for what church is supposed to be, a visible sign of the invisible God. People need a sign that God is present and powerful. May we be that sign. May we be that church every day.